Hello, this is Private Petros Pat Silvers, and this is the Caged In Podcast. This week is episode 35, where I'll be talking about wind talkers. Um, I should probably explain the noise in the background. I don't know what happened. I woke up hungover after the last episode, the bonus episode, where I was joined with by uh, tonight with Bob and Joe, and we watched Face Off. We got super drunk and next thing I knew I woke up and I had somehow joined the army so um, here I am but I've managed to uh, sneak in a DVD player and a copy of the 2002 film Wind Talkers so I can record this episode for you um, it's all popping off a bit at the moment uh, two seconds whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, sorry about that a, a bomb just went overhead um but yeah, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and do my best to uh, watch this from a bit of silence and uh, deliver an episode for you. Uh, um, if you have the time, um, please go on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, it really helps out the podcast, especially in these uh, turbulent times I'm in right now. Uh, you can always check out the website as well, which is www.cagedin podcast.com um, and to the anagram we have for this week which is always is provided by Thomas underscore W underscore Hunter on Twitter and what he has provided for Wind Talkers is D-List Wanker uh, which I think might be one of the best anagrams we have had so far Maybe that will say something about this film or about what people think of Nicolas Cage in general. I know he has almost become a, a meme in, in himself, so uh, a lot of people do think he is a D-list wanker. I think otherwise. I kind of enjoy the work of Nicolas Cage over this journey. I've grown to love him, and I feel like my passion for him will only grow as this podcast goes on. Who knows? He may let me down massively but time will only tell but let's get into wind talkers and get raging with cage up oh wind talker you got the best of me i got a something something no catastrophe oh wow oh hello no wind talkers does not feature mariah carey's smash hit single from 1999 but it does star Nicolas Cage, and obviously, on Cage Den, that is what here, that is what we here are to talk about. Uh, words are escaping me. This is what this journey is doing to my mind. Words just go in my mouth. Um, this is the second time we've had a run-in with director John Woo, who also directed 1998's Face Off, which. If you have been listening, was last week's bonus episode was a little alternate commentary to that. So that was some fun stuff. But on to this. So before you get on to what I thought about the film, obviously throughout the film, you'll probably gauge whilst I talk about what the fuck happens. So this film opens the credits rolling over like a kind of Native American canyon and it's kind of like 
there is yeah that's the music that's going on uh that was a very uh probably socially and racially inappropriate impression but i've done it now and uh <laughs> that is what you get you kind of get these native american wailing and you get these native americans like saying goodbye to their families and getting on a bus and then we cut to war torn shit is popping off it's the solomon islands 1943 so this film just like captain corelli's mandolin we see nicholas cage back in world war Two. this time a much different story there's no love story going on or is there we will find out guys um there's like blood in the water there's a dead soldier and cage is mowing motherfuckers down it's like some straight up rambo killing motherfuckers dead it's cool as shit one thing i will say about this film the action scenes the war scenes are are lovely the bellissimo they are oh I really, really enjoyed and I was gripped by all of the kind of wartime action scenes in this film. And then we have Nicolas Cage's men and they are pinned down. They have people surrounding them and they look pretty fucked. All of his other comrades are getting mowed down left, right and centre. And he is left alone and then we cut to the native americans again learning code um these two native american gentlemen we will call them ben and charlie names they are given later um charlie actually has an amazing name which is like white house or white i think it's white horse not white house uh no that's where that dickhead orange bastard donald trump lives not white house it's white horse but they are learning code um which is the namesake of it they are the wind talkers they are they are they are using navajo like words for things to so the japanese don't know what is going on when they are speaking over the radio and then we cut back to nicholas cage now he is in the hospital and he is plagued by the war he's having visions of all the bad shit that went down and you can see clearly that his right no his left ear is pretty fucked um and he chats to a nurse and he says like are you gonna help me are you gonna like help me out because i am fucked (laughs) and he eventually goes for a hearing test where the nurse does help him out she helps him cheat so he can lie and pretend that he is ready to go back into the field and just kind of get some type of weird revenge and just carry on with what he's doing because he's a man who looks beaten down by war and the only way to get through it is to continue down into the quagmire the another layer of hell that is world war Two. there out in japan um alongside this test we see a test with the code breakers the uh code makers the wind talkers the native american chaps ben and charlie and they are the best in their class and then nicky cage old uh, his name in this is joe enders and uh yeah i might refer to him sometimes as that i might refer to him sometimes as ragey cagey or slippery nick or whatever the fuck i want to it's my podcast um he has to visit the major who gives him his mission and that mission is to 
escort one of the Native American gentlemen and protect a code at any cost. He's That is made very clear that he is not to protect the gentleman as such. He is to protect the code. So if it is a life or death situation, if there is an ultimatum between the Native American gentleman dying or being like, or being captured. No, if he's if he's going to be captured by the enemy, he's got to kill him because at the end of the day, the code cannot slip into enemy hands. It's it's the Enigma machine all over again, but this time it's not a little machine. It's a fucking human life, guys. Um, and he is then teamed up with Ben Ben Garzi, his name is, and he is fucking cool. Um. I don't know the actor's name, uh, like literally just watched this film, um, and I do little to no research because I'm a fucking idiot, but yeah, he is a fucking wicked, um, and then we get the Navajo gentleman on the bus, and they are being sent to the camp where Nicolas Cage is, and also there is Christian Slater, whose character's name is Ox, he introduces himself to Joe, and they're kind of like, they both see that they've got a stripe, and he's like, oh, what mission are you on? And Joe is like, I can't really say. And he's like, well, I've got a feeling me and you are on the both, uh, are both on the same mission. We've been given the same orders. Maybe you're supposed to look after one Navajo gentleman, and I am to look after the other. And who'd have bloody thought it? Of course they are. <laughs> um, Joe is very weary of getting friendly with the Navajo gentleman, he tries to make a, like, pass to be his friend, and introduce himself, Ben's like, hey, I guess we're gonna be together, and he just fucks it up, like, he ends up spilling Joe's drink, and then spilling his own drink on Joe's dinner, and he does not look like a happy bunny, he's kind of looking off into the distance, very listfully, very, very longingly, he is a man who has been beaten down by war and feels pain deep inside his being and um yeah he's just had his lunch run so what a fucking idiot <laughs> and then we get that evening and there is a poker game and we are introduced to some more of the other troops in the party and they are kind of a rogue gallery of What's the word I'm looking for? They are rogues gallery of stereotypes. That is the one. We have a classically, like, you have a lot in these types of films, like the racist soldier, who, from this point in the film, um, it's probably going to sports on, but I knew from this moment, right, that guy is going to have his view changed. He is at some point going to be saved by one of these Navajo gentlemen, and he's going to be like, oh, you know what? All my prejudices and beliefs are are wrong. I'm no longer a Neanderthal. I'm no longer this kind of archaic moron. I've learnt the error of my ways because one of these guys has been nice to me and all these preconceived notions and all this kind of inherent family hatred I have for people who look different from me is just washed away. Um... Though this character is great, his name is Chick, he is great because I imagine he held, like, he kind of embodies a lot of the hatred that these people would have faced on a day-to-day basis, Um, and obviously 
it would be wrong of them not to show that in this film. That obviously it wasn't smooth sailing for Native American and like Navajo gentlemen in World War Two. That they were not just up against an enemy in the way of the Japanese. They were also up against an enemy of American citizens who are can be arseholes. <laughs> There's one of them in power right now who does not look does not like anyone who looks any different to him so it's good to see that the world has progressed guys come on like sit donald trump down and get him to watch wind talkers maybe he can learn from chick that people who look different are nice and lovely and might save you in a wartime like moment so cutting some slack don't build no walls don't deport people just be nice to people because at the end of the day under that skin we're all the fucking same mate uh, also at this poker game we have um kind of there's a lot of guys you don't really get to know their names but you kind of get like the sensitive type who's very much like longing for his family and his girlfriend and his wife and then we have um Another Greek, obviously, in um, Captain Corelli's Mandolin. It was littered with loads of people doing horrible Greek accents. And as a Greek man myself, uh, I was bitterly offended by uh, all of those horrible, vile accents. But in this, we have Bruce Banner, the hulky Hulk himself, Mark Ruffalo playing a Greek gentleman with a fantastic Freddie Mercury moustache, but just has an American accent because, you know what, he's probably like second generation, like Greek, and doesn't have to have a, hey, it's me, I'm a Greek man, what can I do for you, hey, I'm a Mark Ruffalo, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not stereotypical Greek man, no, he's got this, yeah, killer Mercury medical, Freddie Mercury tash, Mercury, what the fuck is that um and he's there and they're all playing a nice game of poker and then you kind of see the racism from chick because a couple of guys leave the table and then there is space for ben and charlie to join the game and straight away chick is like Hey chief, and he's like, oh. like Ben is great about it because he's like, oh, how did you know? How did you know I was the chief? Like, he's like playing. He's he's very cocksure, probably not the right word, but he's very confident and like takes it in his stride. I imagine this is something he has put up with for many, many a year, and he's just there to do a job, and he can't un- like chick can't understand that he's there. He's one of them. He's in the same barrel of shit. He's just got to be an arsehole. <laughs> then we get the next day and we get oh, the second outing in this Nicolas Cage journey from Peter Stromer, who you may remember from 8mm as Max Velvet or something like that. Like Dino Velvet, that was the one. This, he is a very much a different character. He is a... Well, he's supposed to be some type of, like, general or something like that, but he has a very thick, like, 
Swedish accent. There are times in the film where he's referred to as the Viking, so I'm not sure whether he's meant to be like kind of a Swedish immigrant who has managed to gain um, American citizenship, but it's not really explained, but it doesn't really matter because it's Pete Stromer and he's fucking cool. Um, and he's like telling them like, we're going to take him. We're going to we're going to this place. We're going to take him down. We're going to the um, the island of uh, Senpei, and we're gonna we're gonna fuck shit up. We're gonna we're gonna come in from the thingy. We're gonna we're gonna take the men down. Like let's 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 fucking do this. He's g'ing them up, um, and then Joe has a series of flashbacks whilst this is going on. It's kind of a cool scene where it's kind of like intercut with the shadow of a fan spinning and then he's just having these flashes of the like scene we had seen earlier of just kind of his men being mowed down and i imagine the the talk of them being shipped out again it's just bringing that all back that he's going back out onto the front line into the belly of the beast and then he runs out of the room and he's he's shook up and um ben follows him and they kind of have a talk like of why like he ends up asking ben like why are you here like and he's like because america is my country as well like um probably i have more of a stake to it than you do because um people invaded and took over the land from the native people you are so (laughs) then we cut to a scene of a like beach party it's like their big party before they're shipping out all of the troops are having a, a whale of a time. Uh, looks pretty cool. It's like a kind of tiki bar on the beach. And um, they're singing sh- sea shanties for some reason. Uh, Ox, Christian Slater's character, is playing the harmonica. And everyone is having a right old good time. And the nurse joins Joe for a drink. And they have a toast to the war. She instigates a toast to the war. He does not look that happy about it. Um, it's, yeah, it makes it makes total sense. Uh, he's probably like, "Man, this is this is pretty shit." Uh, and then we cut to Saipan, and it's this battle scene that is just fucking brutal. I kind of stopped taking notes because there's just so much to take in it was just it's just full-on it's like something out of like the cinematics from like a call of duty game or something like that but it's it was great like cage is a madman in this scene he is literally there just fucking mowing people down shooting people like just I, I, I have noted down that he shouldn't be there. He is so shell-shocked and, like, he has got so... Like, he is riddled with PTSD that he should not be there. He is just, like, anyone who comes up, he's just taking them down. Um, And he then has, like... He's, like, saying to Ben, like, come on, we need to call in, like, the Navy and, like, get to it. And then they call in the Navy. And then, like, it really took it took me out of the film with this moment because we kind of get these horrible almost like stock footage national geographic footage of like like war boats and it just looked really grainy and horrible yeah and it really took me out of the film it was was really disappointing because this battle scene was fucking great um the warships take down a load of turrets and stuff like that there's like 
guy wielding a flamethrower. He's blowing up tanks. There's explosions all over the place. Um, then we get, like, the evening. They're piling away their dead, like they're digging graves. And the troops share why they're there and what they'll do when they go home. And um, you can see in some of them there's a lot of regret and remorse like chick though it's like my my dad was in the army his dad before that this is in my blood i'm here to do this um one of the other guys talks about like how he can't wait to be back in like southern california where all the prettiest women are and um the greek um bruce banner hulky hulk is talking about how he's gonna make his millions when he gets back with a, a fleet of taxis and then he's gonna go to santorini a beautiful greek island and build a villa and it sounds just like, just like a gives a real nice insight into these guys as people not just numbers and killing war machines um and then we see a like navajo ritual that is done by uh ben and charlie and um joe and ox are like looking on kind of like speculating what they're up to and like they they kind of have a tender moment where they're talking about like could like ox ask joe like could you actually do it like like we've 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 come so far with these guys now like like we're we're in deep they're they're, they're good guys like could you actually if it were boiled down to it could you kill them just to protect the code um then the next morning uh ben is washing in the lake and is confronted by Chick, who um, is just a real fucking piece of shit, because he says to him, like, oh, I mistook you for, like, you just look like you could be a Jap- like a Japanese guy, get, like, and then just starts laying boots into him, and they fight, and they scuffle, Ben gets some good digs in, the troops look on, and it is eventually split up, and um, even Joe says to him, he's like, yeah, next time you go for a bath, let me know, because you do look like a Japanese guy. And it's like, oh man. Like, you just want that exterior to be peeled away. Stop being such an asshole. But like, by this point, I was definitely very invested in the film. Like, I thought at the beginning, I was, like, oh, this is going a bit slow. But by now, I am into these characters. I care about Joe. I care about Ben. I care about Charlie ox the greek even check that fucking right because because i found myself hating him so definitely john woo you know what to do when it comes to a movie i love face off and so far i've been loving this um ben explains to joe like the ceremony he was doing saying that like that is to protect me he's like yesterday i uh I kind of hesitated when a man held a gun to my face, but that won't happen again. And um, kind of Joe dismisses it by like, oh, just because your friend rubbed a bit of ash on you, you won't, you you won't, you won't hesitate again. He's like, yeah, I will, because their traditions passed down through generations, and there's something I believe in. These are my beliefs. Um, and then we get an amazing scene of um, a kind of the blending of cultures the native with the kind of like modern american man when ox and charlie have a little jam like 
Charlie with his mouth organ and um I know Ox with his mouth organ and Charlie with a kind of like Native American Navajo flute and like at first like Charlie's like I don't think it'll work and they make some beautiful music together and I said at the beginning this is not like Captain Corelli's mandolin there is no romance subplot well I think there is there is this lovely melding together of cultures a kind of forbidden love is it it's a will they won't they between Ben and Joe it's a will they won't they between Ox and Charlie and it's really heating up it's really getting a bit steamy spicy um then we get the first of the nurses sending letters to Joe and um she talks like it's they're really fucking weird because she like I don't know the way they the way they were recorded there's a lot of like echo and reverb it almost sounds like a voice from beyond she sounds dead sound quite weird and again it takes you out of it but it's a it was a moment I was like what the fuck is going on here um then we get like they're all moving on to the next like station post and Ben is writing letters to his son and Joe's like I told you you can't write any fucking letters we can't can't post them out nobody's supposed to know you're here like they will if they see that the letters are going to a reserve then the Japanese will cotton on that we are using like Navajo Native American speak over the radio so none of that and it's like well I just was actually hoping my son could read these letters when I get home and then it spurs Ben on to kind of talk about his son he's sharing around a photo and everyone's having a real good lovely time but just when you think you can relax and things are getting lovely and nice things fucking pop off guns are fucking blowing off there's explosions we're back in the thick of it and it we it turns out that they are actually being shot by their own men there is either another like battalion out there or something but they are being shot by their own men ben's radio goes down so they can't even call in to say hey guys stop fucking shooting us uh and then the only way they can do it is they're like pushing on and ben has taken on what both joe and chick have said and he's like maybe i do look like maybe i do look japanese Maybe if I wear one of their outfits and sneak into their base, we can use their radio. So a plan is formed. And Joe, you kind of see that he's starting to like care about Ben because like, I'll go with you. You pretend I'm a prisoner and we can take him out that way. Um, so they sneak into the sneak into the base. He's kind of shit's popping off. Like Ben's getting Ben's getting nervous, but like joe says to him like this is like the word for prisoner in japanese use it that's all you need to say and then they sneak in and joe's getting a kick in from all the japanese troops and stuff like that and then he fucking pops off rambos it takes out a load of men they bundle into the base where the radio is like there's bayonets all over the place like ben's taking guys out he's bayoneting guys it's fucking it's great it's <laughs> it's nuts i don't know it's almost like 
there I, I see myself as a very like left wing person but there's nothing like like I, I saw I saw recently a Nish Kumar like stand up um routine where he said that like you can't like right wing is like you gotta have right wing action films in a way because because if it's all if it's all lovely and left wing, um, I don't know. You kind of need that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah, you need that grit and just fucking let's just throw it all out and just kill some motherfuckers. It's great. <laughs> but they manage to get to the radio, call off the shots, and then tell the gunners where to shoot, and they fuck some shit up. The next day, um, well, it's later on that day. There's not really the passing of time is not really established. But Ender's uh, Joe uh, Slippery Nick is like out of nowhere, some kind of big swinging dick um, admiral or general. Or I don't know who the fuck he is. He just gets off of uh, like a truck and he's like, "I heard you did some good work out there, boy. Uh, you're going to be commended for this." And he gives him like a medal of honor and. Um, he tries to, like, say, like... Yeah, Joe tries to say to him, like, I couldn't have done it without, um, like, Ben Benghazi over there. And uh, the guy's, like, perplexed. He's like, what, the the Indian? He's like, well, no, he's a, he's a Navajo. Like, it's not an Indian. Um, but it, again, shows the kind of ignorance and prejudice that the American people held against the indigenous people of that land. Um, it's just... Yeah, it's it's baffling, but obviously it's not surprising one bit. Um, Joe then gets shit-faced on Saki. He's just, like, fucking tanking it back, and Ben, like, comes to see him, and he's like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you just getting fucking rat-assed? <laughs> And, like, he's like, you got that medal, like, you must be proud. And he's like, I don't really care about medals. Like, the last time I got a medal, like was because all my men died and they all got medals because they died he's like i would happily i I threw that one in the river i'd happily throw this one in the sea as well like i do not give a shit about it and um whilst joe sleeps ben performs some kind of navajo ceremony um on him and he's caught and then like kind of when he goes back to sleep, he sprinkles some, like, ash over him. And he's kind of blessing him, I believe, in some kind of, like, trying to soothe his soul and get him get him out of the funk he is in. Um, then the next day, you kind of get another scene of the troops just kind of having a nice old time and getting along. And then we get a, another letter again real fucking creepy just as they're like pulling into this kind of quaint japanese village kind of in the middle of nowhere um yeah you get this yeah just creepy letter saying i miss you i hope i hope hope you're getting my letters it'd be really nice to to hear from you joe like i don't know what you're doing like hope you're well seems like the war is going well hopefully we are near the end um in the Japanese village, though, we kind of get a sign of Joe's tender side as he helps a little kid who's got a sore eye. And the um, the nurse, before he'd left, had given him these pain pills and he gives them all over to this kid to help. And the kid calls him uncle. Um, 
and it's yeah, it's just a nice, a nice scene. And then we see Joe draw a church in a load of flour on a table, which is pretty weird. <laughs> and then him and Ben talk about their pasts, and Joe is surprised to find out that Ben was actually raised a Catholic. He's obviously assumed that he would have been brought up um, some type of just, just, just through Navajo traditions and stuff like that. And they talk about how their their them growing up was very different, whereas like Joe's memories of Catholicism and being like in the church were kind of good. He remembers like his confirmation and stuff like that, and it's a nice time he had. Whereas um, Ben had like a bad time. He was kind of punished for speaking uh, Navajo and chained to a radiator and stuff like that. And it's kind of lines like, well. They're letting you speak it now, so <laughs> be happy about it. Um, and then out of there, Joe like is called to see old Pete Stromer, and uh, he's like, "I just want to fucking get out of here, like Petey boy, Viking. I don't want to be here anymore. I just want to go home. Like my job here is done. Like I can't do this anymore. I just want to really go home." And then. Out of nowhere, the Japanese attack. And again, we just get this kind of brutal, like, city siege. Shit is popping off left, right, and centre. Again, like, my notes go very thin here. But, like, people are just getting mowed down. Um, Ox ends up getting his head cut off whilst protecting uh, Charlie. And Charlie saves Chick by throwing, like... A knife which Chick, like, this is the moment. This is the moment of his prejudices just washing away from him because he's like, oh, oh, a Navajo has saved me. Like, how could I think such a... Wow, that's that's fucking crazy. How could someone who has different skin to me or look vaguely different to me or, or not just be a redneck fucking idiot, like, actually be fighting on the same side as me? <laughs> and Charlie then is getting captured by the Japanese troops and Joe is left with a quandary he's run out of bullets so can't take out the guys he's only left with a grenade and him and Charlie share a glance and Charlie nods at him as to say do it this is the only way the code will stay safe and Joe you can tell against his own will, but for the good of following orders, even though it may create a rift between him and Ben, does it? Charlie's dead. He's blown up in the um, grenade blast. And it's a real emotional, tender scene because, like, you know that Joe doesn't like I don't know he doesn't want to do this but like obviously he's a man torn between doing what is right and doing what is right if that makes sense um doing what is morally right and what is right by the word of the higher ups and the higher and commands and stuff like that and following orders or yeah kind of doing what doing what is right by a man but obviously his life probably would have been made hell anyway if he had been captured and tortured 
because they have cottoned on that he's special because Ox had given up his life to protect him and that like the uh, the Japanese wanted to take him. Um, ben and Joe end up having fisticuffs because obviously Ben is fucking pissed off that Joe killed him. He's kind of deadpan says, yeah, he's over there. I did it. I threw a grenade at him. And he's like, oh, well, I guess. And it, like his argument, Joe's argument is, I was just following orders. And um, in reference to something that he had said earlier when he was drinking the sake, he said, like, I just, I followed, like, Ben reassures him that he's a good guy. Like, those guys died. Because, like, what he couldn't have done anything different. And he says, like, he was like, you were just following orders. And, um... He said I was a damn good fucking Marine. And Ben repeats that back to him here. But very cutting because all of like, I don't know. It's like now that it affects him though, that following orders is not a good idea. It's it's, it's very, it's very difficult. It's very, <laughs> um, but then we get the Viking, Pete Stromer, it explains their plan of where they are going next and there is one last area to attack they have to head up into the mountains to take on the japanese troops and he wants ben up front i'm not sure if some type of like sinister move on his part like some kind of prejudice or racism in the way of the viking or peach stromer um but obviously Joe seems okay with it because they've had a lover's tiff. We're very much on a will they, won't they here. Like, are they going to get back together? Are things going to be great? Are they going to be fine? Are they going to be dandy? Um, They set up on their way up the mountains and then realise, fuck, we are in the middle of a minefield. You can see the beads of sweat running down their faces um, throughout their kind of quest as it were the greek old bruce banner the hulk has um kind of suffered with anxiety attacks and kind of breathing heavy and uh, hyperventilating all the time and um he's like fuck this shit i do not want to die which is a very very reasonable response very horrible fucking situation um send like chick they're like you, you you take the lead and then fucking big balls ben Garzi pushes his way through like i'm gonna fucking do this and then bang out of nowhere there is gunfire people blowing up mines going off like genuinely this film follows a pretty like similar pattern there's kind of bang 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 quiet 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 bang 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 quiet quiet all oh, quite emotional like touching moment people giving an insight into bearing their souls to the rest of the truth bang 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 halfway through and it, this is another one of those moments but literally everyone is fucking mowed down all you are left with is the racist the greek the navajo and nicholas cage it sounds like a fucking terrible bad joke doesn't it it sounds like a kind of like i don't know a greek a racist um, a Native American and Nicolas Cage walk into a bar. Um, I haven't thought about what the rest of that joke could be, but it sounds very much like the premise for a terrible joke. And probably it's going to be offensive, isn't it? It's going to be a kind of 
Bernard Manning style, let's just offend all bases, even though it's not specified that any of them are women, it would probably be misogynist and sexist and just horrible to everyone. Um, And then they need a radio because Ben again has dropped his and they are held down. They've been shot at and they're like, Joe's like, that's it. Nobody else is going to die. We're going to, I'm going to get that radio. You guys cover me. He's going out there like him and Ben are taking people out. He said like Joe saves Ben and uh, like, it's just fucking, it's, it's emotional. It's tough stuff. Um, but in the process of Joe saving Ben, He's shot, and um, Ben makes the call for air support, and just before air support turns up, Joe fades away and dies. And then we kind of get um, the last moments of this film is Ben back at home in the Arizona Canyon with his family upon a rock, kind of doing some form of ceremony to honour the life of Joe. And uh, Ben says to his son, if you ever tell a story about him, say he was my friend. Um, and then the camera like pans out in the same way that it kind of began over the vastness of Arizona canyons. And then that is it, the ultimate sacrifice and has been made for a man of a different colour of skin to his own. He says, um, I enjoyed this film. It's, uh, I don't know, I've only, as I said, I've only just watched it. And, like, it was good. It obviously, as I, as I pointed out, it has its kind of flaws, as in, like, it's kind of a very, like, cut and paste plot throughout like it's kind of as i said like you get you get the moments of tenderness and it's straight and bang like war 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 i thought nicholas cage was great in this he played like someone who obviously at the time like ptsd in world war ii wasn't really a thing i believe they called it like shell shock or whatever like but mental health and stuff like that in the way of war wasn't something but he played that role great it was uh, very different to his role in Captain Crazy Mandolin, and that's a good thing because this film was, I don't know, a lot more serious. And, like, it had that bing bang boom action that you kind of want from, like, a war film, and had a really nice message a kind of message that, like, is still to this day feels quite poignant especially in the turbulent times that america are living in at the moment in regards to race relations and stuff like that so yeah i thoroughly enjoyed it now it's to find out what what those what those silly fucking idiots on the internet thought with the scores and um before i get to the scores as well i'm sorry to say that Anagram Hunter's Anagram, like, I thoroughly disagree with that right now. At this point in his career, Nicolas Cage is not a D-list wanker at all. He is very much flying high in the winds with the talkers. I don't know why I sounded a bit like, in the winds with the talkers. I kind of had the cadence of Christopher Walken there. (laughs) But, 
Yeah, no. As great as that as anagram is, it's not right. He is there. He is very much in the A-list. So, Wind Talkers and the scores that we have this week. We have IMDb, 6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, 33%. And my old boy, Roger Raj Ebert, gave this film 2 out of 4. Um... So, yeah, uh, people didn't really like this film. It kind of had a middling review from Roger Ebert. 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty bad, isn't it? That's, that's pretty bad. And, I don't know, 6? Six, 6 six out of 10? That's 60%. That's all right, isn't it? I've seen a lot worse. I've seen a lot worse as rated better. Um, but, yeah, that is what the internet thought about it. Again... That is another great thing of me not going into these films, not knowing any prior knowledge. Because if I had maybe known the scores, I could have went in there like expecting, oh, like it's going to be shit, 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 and like kind of just looking for the flaws. But I just went in blind to it, and I was I was surprised. It was it was it was good. Like I'm not, I'm. It's not really my type of film. Not I don't really seek out like these kind of war films like never, I've never been one for like oh band of brothers oh fucking hell yeah. I find I find Call of Duty pretty boring um yeah I never like I don't know some people like I've seen Saving Private Ryan but some people again are like oh Saving Private Ryan yeah fucking watch it watch it every month mate it's fucking great like shooting some fucking geezers and stuff like that. I'm not I'm not about that life um it's not me so um that is, yeah, that is Wind Talkers. And next week, what the fuck will we be talking about then? So, next week will be 19, no, <laughs> 2002 again. It will be Adaptation. Um, I have a very special guest for that episode, who is um a guy... um. I've never mentioned before, um, but yeah, he's a guy called Perry, he's very interesting, and uh, me and him kind of have very different opinions on stuff, so it'll be, it'll be great to sit down and talk to him, um, so yeah, that will either be, I'm not sure whether that will be next week's one, because December is rolling on, and I kind of want to do some fun Christmassy, not like canon episodes, not 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 rolling on like last week's with the alternative commentary. I have a few other things planned, but the next one in the like chronological order of things will be adaptation. And as I said, I'll be joined by a guest called Perry. Um, his surname will be revealed at the time. That's if he wants to give it. As I said, he, he can be quite a difficult guy. Um. So, as I always say, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Um, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, or like, yeah. And tell a friend. Please tell a friend, family member, just someone. Like, give us a shout out. Like, retweet or whatever. Like, just have, let's have a chat on social media as well. All of that is at Caged in Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I will I will have a little chat with you or just drop me an email which is cagedinpod at gmail.com 
or you can kind of get all of that stuff i should probably just give the website because that's got everything on there that's got links to all the social media that's got like a contact page and stuff like that and that is cagedinpodcast.com simple as that i'm not going to fucking worry about the www because i've said it anyway but you know you know you know how to you know that, that that's implied you know what to do guys um but yeah go out there listen to other podcasts rate review all all of them have fun um so as always this podcast has been brought to you by cigarettes a lack of sleep and poor decision making in deciding to watch every single Nicolas Cage film. I've been your host, Petros Patsilavis. I've been caged in. You have been listening to this on headphones or maybe not on a speaker or on the phone speaker or whatever, however you listen to a podcast. You've also been rad. So, bye! <laughs>